Nope. It is working. Great. <laughs> Are our people back there working? <laughs> it's good to be here again. You are. I can't hardly see you with these lights, but I know you're there. And uh, just want to say a couple things. One is, you are my brothers and sisters. And, and, and that is forever, and, and that is a reality, and, and that will never change. And I felt like God was saying, well, one thing I want to say, the worship was tremendous this morning. It was, it was fantastic, and I think the words were so good. You just sense the presence of God here, and boy, where God is, you will grow. There, there's no doubt about that, because that's, that, that, that's the kernel that people are looking for. Is God real? And they could come and find him. Um, I, I felt like God was saying too, I am jealous for you. And I'm not going to let anybody else have you. And no matter what you think and what you are going through, I am for you and I'm holding on to you. And even though the enemy would at times come in and want to sift you like wheat, I have prayed for you and you are mine and you will not be ever taken from me. And I, that's what I felt God was saying back there. For, but, but that's not what I'm talking about this morning. Dear Lord, I'm going to read. Our series is Resurrection Paradox. Paradox is basically two truths, two things that are true, but they don't fit together. That's a paradox. We want resurrection life, but you have to die. There's always death with resurrection, the paradox. I'm going to read from Philippians chapter 3, verse 10. This is Paul speaking. He's speaking from prison. And he says, which I think we all say here, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection. And we would all say, yes, yes. But then he goes on and says, and participation in his sufferings. That we sometimes turn a deaf ear to. <laughs> Becoming like him in his death. And so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Amen. Let's, let's just one more prayer. And dear Father, almighty God, we bless your holy name. We look to you, we call to you, we desire you, we honor you, we love you. We can do nothing without you, and you are our only hope in this life and the next. And Lord Jesus, we just ask, as you've been here leading us in our worship this morning and speaking to all of our hearts, that you will continue your work, Lord, and help us to, to hear what you are saying to each one of us individually. Do your work, Lord. All we can do is throw out the seed, Lord. We ask for you to bring the increase. In your name, Jesus Christ.
Amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. If you want to throw that picture up there, tell me, yeah, it's going to fall off. I've had that happen before. <laughs> in, in different places. <laughs> Thank you. This is Pawnee Buttes. You probably never heard of it. It's part of a, a, it's in Colorado where I lived. I lived 90 miles from there, from Pawnee Buttes, and um, when I lived in Colorado in Fort Collins. And um, I, I took a month, oops, I took a month off work, and I, I planned this holiday. And what I thought, what I am going to do, I'm going to have an appointment with God. I'm going out to Pawnee Buttes by myself. I'm going to have somebody drop me off there, and I'm going to stay there for 10 days just to fast and pray out in the wilderness. And that's what I thought. And for that month, every day at work, I'd just be thinking, man, I got an appointment with God coming up. I got an appointment with God. I don't know if you've ever done anything like that. So I prepared the way. I bought these two big plastic containers to hold water. So I had two 10-gallon things of water, and I knew there was a lot of rattlesnakes out there, which you could tell. It looks like rattlesnake country. There were. I met two of them when I was out there. So I, I bought this, this sheep's, you know, one of these sheep herder doodahs, staffs or whatever you call them. I bought one of those because I thought, well, if I run across a snake, I at least have something to, to get away from them. And... Um, and what else did I do? I bought a tent. I, 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 I was ready to go. So I had a friend drop me off there. And the first day I got there, I didn't realize because they didn't have any phones or anything at that time. This is back in the early 80s. And, um, and we had a heat wave. It was 115 degrees, 46 degrees Celsius for the whole week. It was a killer. And as you can see there, there isn't many places to get shade. So I spent 10 days out there, and, and I was burning up. And, and when I came out of the place, I don't know if you ever had so much suntan that your skin was peeling off, but, but, but it was peeling. My, my water, I, I had hidden somewhere around there to, to drink, but it, it was hot. You can make tea with it. And, and the first day I got there, there was this big goalie, they call it a wadi in Israel, and it was empty, and I thought, boy, it looks nice down there. I got there in the evening. I thought, I'll set my tent up down there and sleep down there tonight. But then I just got kind of tired, and I thought, no, I'll just pitch it up here at the top and maybe move down there tomorrow. But it rained like anything that night, you know, and then, I, then when I get up in the morning, that whole wadi was totally full of water just flooding. I would have been dead rolling around in a tent, you know, down there, but, but God helped me through that. There is a point to all this, I think, the flood, but that's the way it started. And then, and then the first day I wake up and I go, all right, man, you and me, Lord, you and me. And I don't know if you ever get these things, just a random thought comes to your head. And I believe it was of God, although you may think it was strange. But I believe he told me, Richard, I want you to cut off your beard. <laughs> now, my beard was down to there. I had it, and I've been nurturing that thing for years, you know. And I thought, I really don't want to cut off my beard. First day. And it just kept going over and over for the 10 days. And I kept saying, I really don't want to cut off my beard. And that was my whole encounter with God. I want you to cut off your beard. I don't want to cut off my beard. I want you to cut off your beard. 
there, there's something not right about that. I went out there to find, you know, like that song, more love, more power, more of you in my life, to see the power of God, the miraculous, to have greater faith. That's what I went out there for, you know. <clears throat> you name it, and I wanted it. But the sad part was, I didn't shave my beard. Now, now, now you may say, well, that's random. That might have just been you, Richard. Well, if it was me, it was me. If it was, if it was really God, it was God. But the one thing it showed me is, I went out there to meet God, but I didn't go out there ready to obey him for whatever he said. You know, that, that beard was an idol. I look back on it now, that, that, that's what it was, and I wasn't ready to give it up. The issue wasn't the beard, though. It was that I wasn't fully surrendered to God or as surrendered as I thought I was because he told me to do something, and I said no. I was still holding on to my life because somehow I thought the life, the beard made me cool or acceptable. I don't know what it was, you know, but life is pretty bland without Jesus. I hadn't fully died to myself, and, and that's the key to this. We want resurrection life, but we also have to die to ourselves. And some things, times we think we've died to ourselves, and then there are times when we find out I didn't die to myself at all. I'm still quite alive in what I want. I want to know Jesus, yes, and the power of his resurrection, like Paul said. But oftentimes that's where we stop paying attention and we really don't like it when Paul says, and I also want you to participate in and join in his sufferings. We want to give that part a miss. We want the resurrected life, but we don't want to hurt and we don't want to die to ourselves. I would say that's probably for every single human being and I think we're all in some process in this when it comes to sharing Christ's sufferings, we usually find ourselves being dragged and kicking all the way. I don't know if you do, but sometimes I do. You know, we sing and confess that song, I Surrender All. It's an old one. You remember that? I surrender all. I surrender all to Jesus. I surrender all. But when it comes to obedience to the voice of God or resisting the temptation to sin, we find we aren't as surrendered as we think we are. And we could sing the song and do the words, but the reality will always show the measuring line is our obedience. How quickly we are to obey. We have not yet died to ourselves and we hold on to things sometimes as ridiculous as a beard. Jerusalem welcomes Jesus on Palm Sunday. Come in, come in, Hosanna, Hosanna, come save us, Lord. That, that's what Hosanna is talking about. Come save, Lord, come save. Then a few days later, the city is crying, crucify him, crucify him. We want the resurrection, but sometimes it's hard for us when we have to, I can't say pay the price because we are saved by grace and not of works, but still there's something of works that God calls us and Jesus calls us to, to live up and show what your salvation is like, what it's about. We want resurrection power, but we want it on our terms oftentimes and not God's terms. Our hold on life is often white knuckle tight. It could be our family, 
Yes, Lord, I would do that, but I got to consider my family. Yes, Lord, I would obey and do that, but I got to consider my job and my workers. Yes, Lord, I would do that, but my street cred, you know, and the list goes on and on. And whenever you say, yes, Lord, but, whatever that but is, that's an idol in your life. That's the idol between you and God. Anything thing that, that, that when God tells you to do something, you, you have to consider something else. That something else is an idol. Yes, Lord, I, I would do that, but then I'd have to give up my car. That car is an idol. Just making sense. Dear Lord, God is gracious, though, and he, he, and he knows we don't want to die or to die to ourselves. But before resurrection and resurrection power, there has to be a death. And this is the mystery of the resurrection paradox. So Jesus begins to loosen our grip. This is his grace. This is the Holy Spirit. And he has ways to work with each one of us. But it's like we're holding on white knuckle tight. And Jesus comes and says, come on, (laughs) surrender that family to me. I can take care of your family. Oh, come on, you, you know, don't worry about your job. I'm the one that provides for you. Trust me. And he keeps breaking this grip we have on our own life. And he says, come on, j- just give your life to me. Let me live my life through you. Don't you try to live, live my life. Let me live my life through you. That's a big difference. We aren't here to try to live the Christian life. We are here to surrender and let Jesus live his life through us the Holy Spirit through us. And he, and he breaks it. Lord, I need my beard. No, son, let's cut that idol off. <laughs> and he breaks that. And then we finally come to the place where only he matters. It's, it's a great place to be. And I, I sometimes I think we fall into it and sometimes we walk away from it. It's almost like We're working through it. Like Paul said, I had not yet attained, but this is my goal. But we come to a place where we stand naked before him with open arms, without an agenda. How many times have we come to God without an agenda? How many times have we come without gal, nothing hidden, ready to obey daily. I am ready now, Lord, whatever. This day, whatever you want me to do, I will do no matter what. That is dying to self, is is that kind of obedience. Like Paul said, I am crucified with Christ, yet not I. I, It's him living in me. It's him living through me. And now when we sing, I surrender all, you know, it, 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 becomes, it comes to a place where it is no longer wishful thinking or some virtual reality that I'm longing for, but it's authentic. I really do surrender all, Lord. How do I know you, you've surrendered all? Because I will do whatever you tell me, whenever you tell me, and I will be quick to obey. That's when we know we have surrendered all. Richard, Shave your beard. Okay, Lord, where's the razor? Richard, speak to that man across the street. Okay, Lord, guide my speech. Richard, tell that girl sitting next to you that I know her and that she wishes she was a man. (laughs) That happened to me once. I was sitting at a meeting and there was a woman sitting next to me. Now, Now, this is before all this 
this is like 20 years ago before all this stuff coming up in society. So, but, but, but I thought, and I felt like God was saying, saying she wishes she was a man and I want you to tell her that. So at the end of the meeting, I did. And that's what I said to her. I said, said you know, and I, I was ready for the backlash. And, and I said, I just feel like God's telling me that he knows you. And, and, and you wish, you're sitting here thinking, I wish I was a man. But instead of a backlash, she said, that's exactly what I've been thinking. She, she, she said, but it wasn't for a gender thing. She said, said, the men in my church get to do everything, but the women are, are always in the background and can't do, do anything. And she says, I, I wish I was a man. And we had a good talk and a good prayer. But it seems like, like that. I would never even have that story to tell if I disobeyed and just said, oh, that's just me. I'm not going to say that. A surrendered life, a life where we die to ourselves and be alive unto Christ is a life that comes to the point to where no agenda, Lord, I will obey what you want. This is the resurrection paradox. To live in the resurrection power of God, we must die to ourselves and it's measured by our obedience. If we aren't quick to obey, then we haven't died to ourselves. We haven't surrendered all. John 12, 24, very truly I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me. And we can't really follow him unless we're listening to him and can hear his voice. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant will also be. My father will honor the one who serves me. I think of the words of Keith Green. You know Keith Green? Some of you would. He was just quite a voice and wrote beautiful songs, but he's quite a voice for all the, the hippie movement, the hippies, redeemed hippies and everything during the Jesus movement. And he wrote this song, and, and I just love the words of it. It says, I pledge my head to heaven for the gospel. And I ask no man on earth to fill my needs. Like the sparrow up above, I am enveloped in his love, and I trust him like those little ones he feeds. I pledge my wife to heaven for the gospel, though our love each passing day just seems to grow. As I told her when we wed, I'd surely rather be found dead then love her more than the one who saved my soul. I pledge my son to heaven for the gospel. Though he's kicked and beaten, ridiculed and scorned, I will teach him to rejoice and lift a thankful, praising voice and to be like him who bore the nails and crown of thorns. Surrender, die unto self so that we can have and experience the fullness of the power, the resurrection power in our lives. Like Paul confessed, he said, I die daily. It was a daily thing. It wasn't just one off, but he said a daily, I had to keep it going. He, and it, I like the message translation of this, 1 Corinthians. He said, why do you think I keep risking my neck in, these, in this dangerous work? 
I look death in the face practically every day I live. Do you think I'd do this if I wasn't convinced of your resurrection and mine as guaranteed by the resurrected Messiah, Jesus? Do you think I was just trying to act heroic when I fought the wild beast at Ephesus, hoping it wouldn't be the end of me? Not on your life. It's resurrection, resurrection, always resurrection that undergirds what I do and say the way I live. But he would never have that kind of resurrection power working in his life everywhere he went if there also wasn't that surrender of obedience everywhere he went. I day daily because then I can see the resurrection power in my life. All the disciples needed to die to themselves. Jesus, let us call down fire from heaven and destroy these blasphemers. No, let's bend down and wash each other's feet. Lord, I won't deny you. Peter, you don't even know yourself. You're gonna deny me three times and then run away like a scared rabbit just to save your own skin. Like Jesus said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me, daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. Whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very self? Whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the son of man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his glory. Lord, let us sit on your right hand and left hand. Or in other words, Lord, give us the top place in the kingdom. This is what two of the disciples asked. We don't want to be like these other 10 losers over there. <laughs> Lord, we want, we want to be the top. You know, it says in Matthew 20, 24, when the other disciples heard that request... They said when the 10 heard about this, they were indignant with the two brothers. Why? Because they didn't think to ask it themselves first, probably. But Jesus said it doesn't work that way. The last shall be first. The first shall be last. Die to self. Jesus explains it like this. Whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. Whoever wants to be first must be your slave. You must, you know, be a slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom to many. There was this, there was this business. It's a big tower and, and there's a lot of floors and each floor of it was uh, higher up in the hierarchy of this business. The president was on the top floor, the workers were at the bottom, and this guy was working in the basement. His job was to clean the offices and to make tea when somebody called him to make tea and coffee. He was down there, and then one day he just thought, man, I'm tired of this. I wish I, I could rise up in the company. I wish I could be on the next floor and have a little more pizzazz or whatever, more power. And then all of a sudden, whoop, and there he was on the next floor. And he had this little desk in the corner and he was working there. He thought, this is good. This is better than making tea and sweeping floors. But then after a while, he said, boy, I wish I could be on the next floor above me. I would like to be up there and have a little more power, a little more paycheck, you know. And then whoop, 
There he was on the next floor. And he kept thinking like that. Then he said, whoa, the vice president's up there. Man, I wish I was the vice president of this company on the next floor. There he was, vice president, giving these orders, telling the guy in the basement, come up and clean his desk. You know, it was all of this going on. And then he thought, man, this isn't enough. I want to be the president of the whole shebang here. And then all of a sudden, there he was. With a, the whole floor was his office, you know. He, the world was his oyster. He was there and he was just really cool. And then one day he was walking on the roof and he just said, looked up and said, hmm, there's a God up there. <laughs> I wish I was like God. And then, whew, there he was, back in the basement, sweeping the floors making the coffee, making the tea, resurrection paradise. Before you rise, you got to die. I like the way Richard Rohr, popular spiritual author, I don't know if you know of him, he's a Catholic man, and and everybody loves his writing. It's so deep. And he says, we Christians are a strange religion. We worship this naked, bleeding loser crucified outside the walls of Jerusalem, but we always want to be winners, powerful, and on top. When really Jesus is just saying, take the lower place, and then the resurrection power will come. We want the resurrection life without dying to ourselves or sharing in his sufferings, which is obedience. Obedience, it it does hurt to obey. So we find Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. Matthew 26, 36. And we know the story. Three times he asked God, his father, if he could give this death thing a miss. He was saying, you know, if you could take this cup from me, Lord, take it from me. If there is another way, any other way, Lord, let's take it if if it's possible. But I really don't want to die like this. Jesus himself didn't find dying easy. Even in his daily life, he didn't find it easy. It says in Hebrews 5.8, son, though he was, he learned obedience by what he suffered. He learned that his obedience throughout his life caused him a lot of suffering. He, he was, you know, the dying to self. And when it came to the crunch, Gethsemane was a turning point, death or life, life or death. Father, there must be another way. Now, this part isn't in the Bible, but, but, but I, th- I think this ties in so much of what he's saying. He says, son, not one of them, not one human being is going to make it through to resurrection life unless you go through with this death for them. So God, clothed in humanity, Jesus Christ, fully God, fully man, says to all his followers, you aren't going to make it to the end, but I will. So I'm going and I'm going to take you with me. My father says it's the only way. There must be death before a resurrection. Step by step, I'll let you mock me. I will submit to your crown. You, my disciples, may fall along the way, but I'm, but I'm taking you to the cross with me. You can't get there yourselves, but I'm taking you with me. I will lay down my life for you 
because you won't find eternal life on your own. You may run and hide, but I'm going to finish this for you. I'm taking your sin with me. Pound those nails, but the only thing that will remain forever on that cross will be your sin. I am taking your cancer with me. I am taking your disease with me. I am taking your depression. I'm taking your addiction. I'm taking your weakened flesh. I'm taking your sin to the cross with me. Father, forgive them. They haven't a clue what they are doing. Jesus stayed the course until he finally dies and says, it is finished. And we know the story doesn't end here. But have you ever thought of this with the resurrection? When Jesus rose from the dead, he just didn't rise as a spirit or anything else. He rose in a human body with a human face. When Jesus ascended into heaven, they looked at him, they recognized who he was. It was a human body with a human face. And he said, when I return, it'll be the same way. You'll see me as in a human body with a human face. God the Father will never look at the Son the same way again. When Jesus rose from the dead, he, Jesus took our humanity with him. And because of this, it says we are seated in heavenly places with him. Our humanity is there. What commitment. When the angels worship the Son of God, they will see a human face. Could be anyone like our face looking back at them when they worship Jesus the Son. Today, when the Father looks at his Son who's sitting at his right hand, he will also see a human face looking back at him. When we rise to meet him, we will be greeted by a human face. And I think what love, what commitment to us in our humanity that Jesus would do this. But this is part of the resurrection. You, I took you to the cross with me and now I have taken you up in the resurrection with me and there is a place for you in heaven. But, but, but to really experience that resurrection life here on earth, you have to die to yourself. You can't just keep living your life saying no to me when I ask you to do something if you want to experience the resurrection life. And that is the miraculous that we call out for. That's everything we call out and want from God. You know, I'll end with this story. George Mueller, I probably talked about him before, but, but I just love this guy. He influenced my life so much, not personally, but his books and biography. And he was a pastor of a church. And, and one day he was praying and he said, said, Lord, how can I personally glorify you in my ministry and my life? What, what should I actually do in obedience to glorify your name that people will, will see you instead of me? And he felt like God told him, well, George, the first thing I want you to do is give your paycheck back to the church and tell them I don't want you to pay me anymore. <laughs> Ooh, that's a hard one. <laughs> His wife was expecting, and they, they had just got married about a year and a half or so. I, I, I mean, that, that would be hard just facing your wife with that. And, and, and then God, God said, George, for the rest of your life, I want you to only tell me your needs. Don't tell anybody else. It'll be between you and me, and I will meet your needs 
whatever they may be, I will grant it to you. And he said, this is the way you will glorify me in this world. And it basically, it was a dying to self. So he did. The guy at the end of his life, read George Mueller. I mean, it is a fascinating story. He ended up with five giant orphanages. And through, through decades, he brought thousands of orphans through those orphanages, paid for it all and everything, and never once told one person, that he needed money for anything or, or, or what he was doing. He just prayed to God and God provided it. This is a story you probably heard, but I'll say it because it's really good. He said one day they didn't have, have any, any food for breakfast and, and, and God told him, well, George, what would you do if you had food and stuff to eat? And he said, I'd set the table, we'd say grace and we'd eat. And he said, well, set the table and say grace. So he did, and the orphans were sitting around, and they had no food, nothing to drink, and then he hears a knock on the door, and it was the baker, and the baker said, (laughs) I got up this morning at two o'clock, and I felt God told me that I should make this bread and bring it to you. That's obedience. That baker had died to himself, and he brought the bread in. And then, and then it said 20 minutes or so later, I mean, you can't make this stuff up. He said, you know, it was back in uh, Edwardian times and, and, the, and the wagon that was bringing the milk to, to people, the, the wheel broke. And he said, I have to get this milk off the truck. Can you help me? He got the milk off the truck and then he gave them the milk and they were sitting there having the bread and milk and the breakfast God provided, never told a word. But, but that's just one example of his whole life for decades was like that. At the end of his life, he, he, he started a missionary society. He sent missionaries all over the world. He, it says he printed up thousands of Bibles in all kinds of languages. He had millions of tracts that he was giving out to people to give all over the world. George Mueller was some guy and he said millions of pounds went through his hands and he never told one person about his need or anything but he just prayed to God and that's how he glorified God and that's why we even talk about him today because we see something of the glory in his life. Now, this prompted a reporter to come and talk to him and, and he said to George at the end of his life, George, what is your secret? How could you live such a, such a miraculous, the reporter didn't say, but that was a resurrected life. How could you live such a life like this? And you would think, well, he would probably, um, he'd probably say something like, well, you know, I had a lot of faith. Or he could have said it was... Uh, I, I had to write scriptures to quote, you know, I'd quote them every day or my quiet time, all kinds of things he could have said, but here's what he said. There was a day when I died. There was a day when I died, utterly died. Died to George Mueller, his opinions, preferences, taste, and will. Died to the world, its approval or censure died to the approval or blame even of my brethren and friends. And since then, I have studied only to show myself approved unto God. Death, resurrection. Died to self in God's 
resurrected life through the Holy Spirit was lived through him. He wasn't blocking it with his own ideas and agendas, but the Holy Spirit could flow out like a, like a river from him because he had died. He stepped out of the way, and God was living his life through him. George wasn't living his own life. Like Paul said, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. And and it's the exchanged life. You are living your life through me, Lord. That's what I want. I surrender all. But it's hard for me to to let loose, Lord. But help me. I'm going to let loose. I surrender all. And maybe I haven't yet arrived. But man, I'm setting my eyes on that goal. And that's what I want, Lord. Live your life through me. I want to die to Richard Porter. And let Christ glorify himself in my life. And I know that's what we all want, isn't it? You know, I feel like God has just given us all one big embrace right now. (laughs) He loves us so much. And he's not going to leave us the way we are. Let's pray. And dear Father... We ask, you know, keep an attitude of prayer, but when we ask God to do something, it is never on our time. It's not our idea, and it's not for our benefit, but when he asks us to do something, it's solely for his. And the reward of obedience is Jesus. Lord, help us to love you without agenda. Help us to lay down our idols. Perfect that which you have started. And we come to you, Lord. You know what we can hear and what we can't hear. You know what we can take in and not take in. You know where we are at. But we thank you that you are jealous for us. And you will never stop to bring us into that resurrection power in this life. And even as a church congregation, there must be somewhere in there where we must die too to see your resurrection power rise more and more. Help us, Lord, without agenda. We welcome you. Come and do your work in each one of us for your glory, for your name's sake. In Jesus' name, amen.